Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. So, beer styles. You know, so what I was going to try to do last night, I was looking it up because I really wanted to have some sort of good Ric Flair kind of spin on beer styles. You know, you know, Ric Flair, right? Yes. The wrestler. So his whole, the style and profile and limousine, riding, jet flying, kiss, sealing, wheel and deal and son of a gun. I was going to roll into this podcast this morning. Like I'm the beer styling, profiling, <laughs> cold siding, go, 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 sparge go. flying, <laughs> uh, stainless stealing, <laughs> mashing milling, son of a gun. There we go. All I right. got it. <laughs> so for whoever's taking notes on our merch um that's going to be the next t-shirt we come out with i don't even know if i could repeat it if i tried i'm the beer styling profiling hot siding sparge flying stainless, stainless stealing <laughs> mesh and mill and son of a gun Woo! <laughs> we're talking about beer styles today beer styles what's a beer style that's, you a, know, that's a really good question. It is a I really asked. good question. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Rachel, for asking that really good question. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but it is one of those things that a lot of people overlook or I don't think take the time to examine very closely. And I can tell you as a judge in uh homebrew and commercial and GABF. <laughs> uh, and I say GABF, not just to sound like a pretentious asshole, uh, but no, I it's a big deal. I, yeah, I, I am you a GABF not, judge. Any, not anybody can um, just do that. You can't just walk in and say, I'm here. Reading through the, the BA style guidelines at GABF, guess what? There were a lot of beers that got disqualified because they entered them in the wrong category because they did not read the beer style guidelines closely enough or I don't know you did and you didn't think it mattered so it matters and I can tell you as a judge that if you get me as your judge in a competition and you have very clearly not read the rules (laughs) you will get a very snarky little sentence from me about being sure to read the guidelines and follow the guidelines and enter (laughs) your beer in the correct category you don't get to medal in this category. You don't get to medal. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you made a good beer or not, if you didn't read the fucking rules and follow the rules, <laughs> then you are not getting a medal. So very good. <laughs> so what what we're here, what I think she's trying to say is <laughs> a beer style. So Jen, as a judge, has a list of beer styles that she has to use as a guide to judge your beer. But Let's just take it back a step. Say you're the novice. You're just getting into beer. You go to a beer bar. They give you this menu that's separated by styles. Like, okay, okay. Let's, 
why do we have beer styles? Like, what are they there for? Why you take it? So we take it for granted, right? Like if I'm going, if I go ask the average Joe on the street, like, Hey, what's a beer style? I'm going to get a lot of different answers. Dark, dark. dark yeah. Some, some, some people might say like ale lager. Some people might break it down. Like, well, it's a certain group of characteristics, right? So a beer style, why do we have beer styles? Like one, they're a universal language. They're a way for me to, as an American to go to Belgium or Germany and talk to them about beer. Like we, if we, if I know what an American or a light lager is and they know what a light lager is, we're going to be able to communicate about that without ever having met each other. Right. So there's a, it's a, you know, it creates a language for us. We also have it as to provide a guideline as a way to teach, as a way to brew, as a way to enter competitions. We need some sort of guideline. If you don't, if I tell you to go make an apple pie and you don't know what an apple is, like you're not going to be able to make an apple pie. You got to know, you got to have to have a reference of where to get this information. Right. right. So and that, I think that's a really good analogy, Rachel, because let's say that you do know what an apple looks like, but you think that apple pie is applesauce yeah and so you give me applesauce and say this is an apple pie and i'm like hmm, no it's not you don't win the apple pie contest <laughs> yeah because where's your crust <laughs> right. and if you had a guideline that said well apple pie has crust and you just gave me sauce you you should know that's wrong right, right. So and you should also know you're wrong if you say that apple cobbler is just mash up apple pie because it is not no it's got way more going on thank you thank you you're welcome but anyways <laughs> So we also have beer styles for competitions. We enter as brewers, as home brewers, we enter different competitions. So before breaking down to like what encompasses a style, like all the things like color, gravity, alcoholic strength, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about competitions for a minute because this is where it can be confusing, right? Let's say you have a good base. You know what an ale is. You know what a brown ale is. You know what a lager is, all that jazz. Okay, as a Cicerone, I'm most familiar with BJCP because that's the Brewer Judge Certification Program. That is a set of guidelines. If you go Google BJCP, it will bring it up. Um, it will have, gosh, almost a hundred styles, if not over a hundred styles. Over a hundred. And it, they they it, they break it up into. They have a way of um, breaking down these styles into groups to help understand, right? Which can also be a little confusing because. Well, let's say you break styles down by country. You have German beer, Belgian beer, English beer, or you can break styles up by like yeast, ales, lagers, wild, which is what we tend to do when we're first learning about beer. We like say this is an ale, this is a lager, and then we talk about the substyles because that's the easiest, right? Start little, break it down more as you go down. Um, or you t or BJCP takes it a little one step further and they kind of break their styles into like similarities. So uh, like pale multi European lager, that is a style that they have three styles in a subset of, right? Munich Hells, Festbier, Hellsbach. So as a uh, brewer who enters local competitions, mainly BJCP, BJCP styles are the guidelines, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm entering in the North Carolina Brewers Cup. They say they're going to ju judge the beers on these styles. I need to look up those guidelines. Well, guess what, people? At the same exact time of the year, I am also getting my beers ready for GABF, which uses a completely different set of guidelines. Um, they're similar, 
but they the Brewers Association, which hosts GABF, makes their own set of guidelines. Um, just to give you an example, um, brown ale. The alcohol range for brown ale for BJCP is 4.3 to 6.2. For Brewers Association, it's 4.2 to 6.3. That's not a big difference. Um, if someone was to ask you on a test to memorize this difference, that would be annoying. You don't need to memorize this difference. Like you just need to know like, okay, I'm entering different style. And that's like not the best example too. The better example is like their um, IBU range for this brown ale category for BJCP is 20 to 30 while Brewer Association is 30 to 45. That doesn't even touch each other except for one number. So if I make a brown ale and I want to enter into both competitions, if I'm really like, you don't have, I should clarify, you don't have to like, if you're, if you make a brown ale and it's 4.1, you enter that brown ale. Okay. You don't, yeah. if you somebody don't says they can enter, taste that 0.1, like, yeah. First of all, you don't have to tell them the alcohol level or the IBUs, but if you're trying to do things right, and it can be confusing because you're like, I want to make a brown ale. I want to enter into both my competitions. I got a whole different range of color and like IBUs here. The color is pretty similar, but like you can get a lot darker in BJCP. So it can be confusing, but you shouldn't wrap your head around it too much. Just like make a normal balanced brown ale, enter into both. You're going to be fine, but it, it is confusing when you look at this stuff to make it even more confusing the u.s open has its own set of categories do they really again similar but see u.s open and brewers association they will add categories or categories something different because they're trying to create more categories they're also a business they they want so for example u.s open this year had a black is beautiful category you pay to enter these beers in, right? So another category, more money. Um, that's cool. That was a great category. A lot of people did black is beautiful. You know, it's fun, but that's not like, you're not going to go take a test, an exam and be like, okay, what's the style for black is beautiful. <laughs> like, like that's not going to happen, you know? So, but yeah, us open, if you look it up, like I uh, mentioned on, I think we were finishing up our last episode, we just won bronze for our German Hefeweizen and it was a German Hefeweizen category where Middle James won bronze for their German wheat beer and they entered a German wheat beer category. They literally had two categories and I, I without maybe doing a quick couple of Google searches, I could not tell you the difference. I would imagine that it would be the German Hefeweizen is using the Hefeweizen yeast, whereas maybe the German wheat, you don't have to use the Hefeweizen. The use? I don't know. What <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I did I not know that US research. Open, yeah, I didn't know that US Open had their own guidelines. But I think what Rachel is, well, I won't say what Rachel is saying, um, but the important part in, in a lot of that is that beer styles are, they're a consensus. They always represent their guidelines. They're not, mm. you're not going to get arrested if your American Brown no. Ale is 4.1%. You're not going to get kicked out of the BA. You know, they're, they're guidelines. And what they're saying with these guidelines is this is a consensus. It's going to evolve over time. And it, they're, they're, they're guidelines. So yeah. I can, I can actually provide a little bit of insight into that process because a couple of years ago, 
right before the Brewers Association released their guidelines for hazy, juicy pale ale IPA, I was with some members of the Brewers Association and they said, we're getting ready to release guidelines on this. And I think it was before BJCP released theirs because, you know, what happens is there are these styles that come in as fads and then their trends and then everybody starts to see that maybe these are sticking around so like you're probably not going to see a style guideline for brute ipa right because that kind of came and went and there are tons of styles like that but once they realize that okay we're starting to get a lot of entries for new england ipas that don't really fit in american ipa necessarily you know we'll break it out and make it its own category and so i said how do you do that? What's your methodology? And he said, well, we identify, you know, several different market players who are something like Hetty Topper, you know, the mm-hmm. ones who like kind of originated the style, Trillium, Treehouse, Weldworks, all of these different, they get all of these different styles or not styles, but all of these different brands that say we are hazy IPA. And they taste through all of them and as a group come to a consensus on this seems to be what this style is about. And that's how the guidelines are written, which I think makes a lot of sense because you're doing that same thing when you sit down to judge, right? So let's say you get a flight of, I always use Kolsch as an example, you sit down and you have 10 beers in front of you that say that they're Kolsch. By the time you've tasted all 10 of those beers, you've learned what a Kolsch is not supposed to be, what (laughs) a very good representation or, you know, probably at least a pretty good representation of what a Kolsch should be. And a lot of middle of the road interpretations that just aren't quite there. And that's part of the beer judging is identifying what is it that's not quite there with that style. And that's the same way that they come up with those guidelines. So they are just guidelines. So like Rachel said, if you have a 4.1 American brown ale, enter it because it's, if it is so far outside of the guidelines, if it's 12%, don't enter it. (laughs) Right. Right. Then they'll tell you that that's a different kind of beer, but nobody's going to sit there and say, this tastes like a 29 IBU and not a 31. So this, this you're, so when I say that we're kicking things out of categories. It's because you said something is a stout and you used a Hefeweizen yeast, which is something that has happened to me before. And I am a very pissy judge when you do not enter things in the right category. It's not, it's not entering a 4.1 when it should be a 4.2. It is entering a way off the ball, an American IPA that has an SRM of 25. Yeah. I've, I've definitely had beers that have, I've judged. Also, if you can judge, if you can find a place to judge, don't be afraid to do it and do it because it's the best way to learn. And you'll be paired with someone that can help you. But yes. I have definitely and don't found- think that you don't know enough because I have yeah. sat at many tables with many men who assume that they know more than me because yeah. I am a woman. And who cares and- if you don't know enough? You're there to learn. Just use you it for always, your advantage. You always get who the guidelines. Cares? Yeah, and if, you, if I yeah. ever met somebody who said, I don't need the guidelines, I know everything there is to know about this style, like I would be like, I'm going to need to talk to like the, yeah. the beer competition manager, <laughs> this person. Yeah, I am not going to judge with them. Uh, so yes, but judge beer, judge beer, yeah. judge beer, every opportunity you get, just go do it, band-aid yeah. method right off, sit at the table and trust both of us when we tell you that 
you will one have a fantastic not a fantastic experience you will have a fantastic learning experience i can't guarantee the rest of your experience for you but you will also it's very validating and you will learn more about the guidelines but you, you will you'll have get, those materials there in front of you you'll get way comfortable every time you do it and mm-hmm. i've definitely judged beers that have been like i had ipa category once and i had a couple that just would have done better in paleo so really take the time to like if you're going to enter that ipa like go through the guideline that you're being judged on and make sure it matches and if That's- it doesn't if this is your ipa but it tastes more like a pale just put it in pale ale who cares yeah They'll yeah. say Mark's IPA. <laughs> or if you want to put it in both categories, you can to see yeah, where it depending does on the rules. Some some competitions won't let yes. you, but if your right. rules allow you, you can do that. Um, yes, read the I rules of the competition. It does depend, yeah. But I, I know I've left that as feedback too before for people where I've said this is a really great beer. I think it would do better in this other category. Like it's, it does fine in this category, but I think it fits better in this one. And I would be interested to see how it does. Which is so frustrating as a brewer. So pay attention because if you do get a really high mark, you want to win. You don't want to lose because it's in the wrong category. Right. And, and I will say like when I do things like that, that is not necessarily that it's in the wrong category, but it might be something like, um, I don't know. Some, I'm trying to think of an example of where I've done that, but I think IPA and pale ale is a really good example where yeah. for, you know, there is a bit of overlap between those styles. So for uh, maybe it just seems a little bit not better enough for an IPA, Yeah. but if it were in the American pale ale category, I bet it would do really well because that bitterness is perfect for that. But I can't move it for, there for you. Exactly. You have to put it in the category exactly to begin with. <laughs> exactly. So oh, hold I, on, let's just move this to here. <laughs> Change everyone's beer. I would say that the well, we're we're not here to talk about competitions. We're here to talk about beer styles. Yeah. But naturally, we go down the road of of. Uh, well, you were talking about you were talking about how they will add styles like BJCP Bruce Association. Well, not maybe not every year for BJCP, but like. They'll also, on that note, take away styles too. So if something yeah. is not being brewed that much, like, gosh, I feel like maybe Goza, I would have to go back and check, but I feel like Goza was maybe recently put into historical and where I had a category before, but I could be wrong or it might, right. might go to have a category or something like that. Yes. I think that would be the most, the it is more getting more popular because it does it, surprise me. It's in historical when I go and like flip for it. So it wasn't in the 2008 guidelines. So Rachel is correct that when the BJCP revises their guidelines, again, it's a volunteer organization. They can't do it every year. Uh, And the Brewers Association doesn't necessarily do it every year, but I think they tweak it year to year. Yeah, they do. So with BJCP, there's the 2008 guidelines, and then there are the 2015 guidelines. So we're still using the 2015 guidelines. I have a lot of people ask me about that. And I'm like, no, if you go to the BJCP.org, go to their guidelines, they tell you what the most current guidelines are. And most competitions will tell you as well. They may just say it's BJCP affiliated, um, but they will also probably at some point say we're using 2015 guidelines. I'm have been, I shouldn't say in beer long enough, but when I was first starting to get into competitions, first starting to study for Cicerone, everybody was still using the 2008 guidelines. And it wasn't, I don't think it was until about 2016 that everybody kind of officially switched over to 2015. But 
that to say when the 2008 guidelines were out, nobody was brewing Gosa. It was a historical beer style. Yeah. But enough people were brewing it that when the 2015 guidelines came out, they included it as a historical style. Yeah. And arguably it's not a historical style anymore. Yeah. It's one of the bigger categories. It should be its own in, style, in, like in the next set. And it probably will be. It will probably yeah. be in the German wheat beer or the European sour ale because that's where Berliner Weiss was mm-hmm. or is, is in the, his, um, the European sour ale. So that's probably where Gosa will go when they <laughs> update the, the guidelines again. But yes, Rachel makes a really good point. I know in the 2008 BJCP guidelines, there was a brown porter, a robust porter, a southern English brown, a northern English brown. And when that, when the new guidelines came out, there's an English brown ale. Yeah. And, um, you know, there is a, an English porter and an American porter and a Baltic porter. And they will tell you. So that is one thing I wanted to bring up when you were talking about what the guidelines are and the naming of the styles and categories. Get a hard copy yeah. of the BJCP guidelines. Mine are very gross and dirty because I use them a lot. But in the front matter of the guidelines, they give you this very nice introduction that tells you, here's how we named the styles and the categories. Here's how you use the guidelines. And they say the style guidelines are guidelines, not yeah. specifications. And they talk, they go through everything and walk you through what their methodology is. And I think that's really, I have really only recently gone through and read all of that front matter and it gave me a better understanding of the guidelines and I recently had as I was doing my Cicerone training with the brewery somebody had asked me and I don't remember the exact question but basically it was um, about Dunkelweiss and Dunkelsbach and I, I don't, re- oh, and then Munich Dunkel. Mm-hmm. And they said, why is it Munich Dunkel, but then Dunkel Bach? And why isn't it like Bach Dunkel? So I mm-hmm. uh, just sent a message to one of the editors. His name is Kristen England and said, hey, this came up today. And in the 2000, whatever it was, and I, I don't know if that was the exact question, but in the 2008 guidelines between 2008 and 2015, it had switched, switched. somehow. So it was like, Dunkel's Bach or like Bison Dunkel, something like that. Sure. And so I just I just sent him a message and said, "Hey, why is that?" And he said, "Because the in German they name it like uh, color plus style, and we yeah. had it named style then color." And he was like, "So it was just a mistake that we made when we were putting the guidelines together, so we corrected it in the next gotcha. one." And it was like. Oh, such a simple cover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, and then that also gives you more insight into, okay, well in Germany, it's color style, not style color. Yeah. I I also want to make a point. Like when I first started studying beer styles on BJCP, like in the guidelines specifically, like reading through them, I used to kind of get so wrapped around, like they would use different, but similar adjectives. So like, Mm -hmm. and if you read in the beginning, like Jane was telling you, it will literally tell you, do not get wrapped around the fact that I say moderate or moderately light or like use a or different medium. Me- medium. Yeah, yeah. Don't get wrapped around that. We're just trying to not be so monotonous. We're just trying to change up vocabulary. Because I used to be like, is this a clue? Are some medium brown and some moderate brown? Like, fuck. 
how am I going to remember this? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So those and, don't matter. Those don't matter. <laughs> right. This so, isn't rocket science. It's not that hard. It's not meant to trick you. Put it that way. It's not. Yes. I think that's very, that's a very good way to put it is that it's not it can't meant be rocket science to trick sometimes. you. There are, when you are, when we're talking about styles and I'll go back to putting this in the context of competitions again, when you are adding something to your beer, right? So it's not just malt, hops, water, and yeast. You're putting in some sort of a fruit or you're putting in, um, you're aging it in a barrel. When you're doing that, make sure you're reading those guidelines very carefully and ask questions if you need to. I know that Rachel and I have had conversations about what beer, what categories pilot beer should go in. And Oh it, yeah, I always get her advice. It was the it can same. Be tricky sometimes. Yeah. And it is, it is tricky. And it is a lot of this. I think this is one of those areas where having kind of that legal eye comes in handy for me because it is very closely reading. Are they saying must, are they saying should, are they saying may, uh, you know, and what are the other references and going to look up those other styles. And that was something that we had a lot of conversations about that at JBF when we were reading, um, doing something like American wild ales and, you know, if there's fruit added, should it be in the fruit category? Should it, you know, if it was, if you say it was wood aged, is it more appropriate in this category or should it be in the barrel aged category? Yeah. And having those kinds of discussions and getting really granular about it, you need to be doing that with your mm -hmm. beer styles and making sure that you are correctly you know, correctly fitting your beer into the category that is the best fit. And I think that's a source of frustration for a lot of brewers because they want to just brew what they want. And there's a place for that too. It might not be in a competition. Yeah, you might not win medals, but. <laughs> right, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad beer. And it doesn't yeah. mean that you didn't, you know, create something that you're proud of. It's just, yeah, maybe, didn't maybe it doesn't really fit anywhere. Although they, with both sets of guidelines, and I'm assuming the US Open is the same way, they kind of give you a couple of catch-all categories where it's like, if it really doesn't fit anywhere else, then you can put it in this experimental category. Yeah, uh, that's true. And I remember a few years ago, again, before, so this is kind of another motivation behind creating new beer styles in response to what the market is doing. I remember a few years ago when people were entering hazy IPAs as an experimental beer style because it didn't fit in American IPA and it didn't fit in any of the specialty IPAs. And so it was being entered as an experimental beer. And when you sit down to 15 hazy IPAs entered as experimental beers and it's the best selling beer style, it's like, ah, maybe this needs to be its own guideline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will also note if you are going at this from a studying standpoint, I would stick with BJCP. I, the, mm -hmm. uh, like the other things, like BJCP is all the information you need. B Brew Association, it's like more for competition. Like, don't yes, worry about exactly. the definition. That's exactly what this. it's for. Yeah, and they so, don't give you as robust of a description for yeah, things. Exactly. And I, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're making an American stout, you're not using completely different ingredients for your BJCP American Stout than you are for your Brewers Association American Stout. It comes down to the very granular, you know, is it within plus or minus like 0.5% of what the ABV should be? Yeah. But you also don't have to give you that information when you submit beer. So 
I mean, right. it, it can't be like, it can't be obviously different. They're going to know if it's like 12%, but right. But yeah, yeah. I think um, with beer styles, uh, just in thinking about how they develop one thing that we, we both have is, you know, where, what ingredients were available at the time dictates how those styles oh, yeah. developed. And that can be your environmental forces or, or did you, you know, our rye grows better in Scandinavian countries, which is why a lot of the beers there are rye based rather than mm-hmm. barley based. Barley grows well in places like Germany and England and France. That's, you know, and so that's, those were the ingredients that they had. And the same with, with hops, with all of that, with your water, the, what your environment looked like around you was how these beer styles developed. Now we're very fortunate that we can create any beer style anywhere and have access to authentic ingredients if we want authentic ingredients or good approximations. But that's, that was huge in developing beer styles and technological advances also developed beer styles as well. You know, beer went from being sour and smoky to if you wanted a porter, you could use just a little bit of black patent malt to get that color. And then a lot of much more efficient pale malt. Yeah. And and like economical forces too. I mean, tax laws, um, taxes are dictated dictated. So like, uh, that's one of the reasons why you'll find the use of corn in like, English ales because mm-hmm. they had a tax on barley, I believe, for a while. Or even um, the uh, beers in Belgium for a long time were taxed on like how much you could fit, how much malt actually went into the mash ton and not the volume of beer that came out. So right. there's different reasons why historically all these beers were done. If some quick, like good resources for beer styles, because some of them can be a little outdated, but like if you're getting into it, if you're getting, if as a novice, tasting beer is a great overall um, view, overview of the styles. God, I was hoping we were going to do this in my um, office so I could read off all the books I have, but yeah, there's some other ones. Like- but tasting beer also, I will say, I actually grabbed that before uh, we started recording. And again, since we're in this non-visual medium, I keep showing Rachel books that I know that she has, <laughs> but a lot he also has a chapter specifically on the anatomy of beer styles and it goes into much more detail than what we've talked about today but i find that to be very very helpful for people who even if you even if you're like yeah i've been entering competitions for years like have you ever actually stopped and thought about what makes a beer style a beer style and so tasting beer there's an entire chapter in it and it's very it it gives you things to think about and I think helps you understand the, the framework of beer styles a lot better. Yeah. And then if you, there are a bunch of style books, I have the Goza one. I think the Goza one was really good. Mm-hmm. It's an easy read. It's kind of just, it has a little bit of storytelling. I always really like that. Obviously we love the logger book. Um, if you've never read, what is it? Um, Brew Like a Monk. And oh, I know that's, that's one of my favorites. It's that's so one good. Of my favorite books. Yeah. It's so good. If you, I don't care how long you've been brewing or in the industry. If you've never read that book, read it. It's just like really nice story. It's just a good Belgian. book. Yeah. yeah. They're like all the Belgian Trappist breweries, how they work together and who started what. And they got this brewer to come here and help. And like on brew day, Westy drives up to Kel to get some yeast. And it's just like really f- nice little book. And it gives it you. Is. 
you know what it's good about it it's like it tells you kind of like the like the cool stuff of the belgian beer world like uh right you know like i don't know orval is got the special cafe where you can go have their young beer and young cheese and just like nice stories and yeah stan heritimus is a very he's an engaging speaker. He's an engaging writer. And I like when you have somebody who is a beer nerd, who has also like has a lot of other experience to be able to tie in, like, you know, this is what was happening at the time in the government that was Mm -hmm. relevant to why this beer style came about or whatever. So yeah, like like understanding history really helps understanding history i mean when you learn about beer history it helps like you also learn about history history because it all connects and it helps to really put things together um the style books like the individual style books i feel like can be good they can also be old, outdated sometimes some of them um, are definitely outdated i have the um don't read the pilsner book because it specifically yeah. references east and west germany <laughs> And that was also written when like American lager. So Budweiser, Bud Light was still called Pilsner. And so it's very confusing yeah, at that first can be to confusing. read through it. Just go read that lager book. <laughs> yeah, just read the lager about. book. Everybody just, what are but, you doing? If you haven't read the lager book, I mean, and unless Unless you're looking straight up for recipes, don't dive into the recipe books to learn about styles. It's just not going to be very helpful. Um, unless you need some recipes, then do that. I always suggest that like when I, there's also like, um, I was Googling early. I probably lost it. But, um, when I go to like write a recipe, especially if it's been one, I haven't done in a long time, I I'll like search, like, um, just like stout all grain recipe. Like when you're searching stuff on the internet, be careful. Don't really trust all the homebrew forums unless they're like, established like checked out recipes like jen mentioned before but homebrew really association like, yeah <laughs> i really like brew your own um brew your own homebrew mm-hmm. magazine i love if it's like a style i haven't brewed in a while and you just like put in that style it will give you a nice overview of just like here's what you should do for you know malt and hops and of course everything you take with a grain of salt but I always find it to be helpful if I just need a quick review or see what other people are doing for recipes, if I'm trying to write a recipe. But this is also good, like, breakdown of the style. Like, not too long, not too short, kind of everything you would need to know to pass a test about the style. So, I mean, there are some good websites, too. I really do like that one. I like... um, Mm -hmm. Craft Beer and Brewing. Yeah, which, yeah, no, that's not the same. It's different. So I like Craft Beer and Brewing and Brew Your Own. Those are my kind of things I like to look at if you uh, just for some free. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I think those are both really good resources to be able to learn more about a style at a glance. Yes, without being overwhelmed. Right. Which it can be really like challenging when you're learning about all this to not feel overwhelmed. because You're just like you read something. You're just like, what? What? (sighs) (laughs) right so definitely start if you don't own a copy of tasting beer get a copy of tasting beer read through that and i recommend that i know we've talked about this before on this podcast i recommend that even if 
you're just, you have a passing interest in beer. It's just a really well-written book yeah. that tells you everything from grain to glass about the beer uh, that, you know, and beer styles. So tasting beer, get the BJCP guidelines, the 2015 I highly recommend having a hard copy if you can, but if not, you can it, buy it pretty cheaply somewhere. Cheaply, it, yep, cheaply. Yeah, you okay. can, yes, you can get it on their website. Okay, um, yeah. it's also available for free as an app for iOS and Android. So I get the hard copy, download the app also, and um, yeah. So BJCP will make it available for you for printing. If you mm-hmm. want, uh, they like they have a print optimized version. So I think tasting beer, BJCP guidelines, those are going to be the best places to start for learning about how beer styles develop and then learning specifically about beer styles. Thank you everyone for listening to this. Uh, will be I think this will be our first episode in the new year. So happy 2021 and make this the year where you get really good at beer styles. Check us out on social media at False Bottom Girls at Facebook and Instagram. As always, feel free to email us at falsebottomgirls.com. If you do two things in 2021, have the second one be to subscribe, rate, and review us on wherever you find your podcast. I got an email the other day that we are ranked 163rd in the food category, which, you know, is not too shabby. I love it. I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm still surprised Um, we have anyone that listens to us. So, yes. So uh, (laughs) please do that. It helps. It helps increase our visibility within the algorithms. And uh, thank you always for sharing us with your friends and for, you know, shooting us messages when you, you react to something within one of the episodes. We really, really do love getting that stuff. So thank you one more time. And what is my... Yeah, next time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll just, I won't try to recall my entire Ric Flair thing. I'll just... Oh. Woo! <laughs> all right goodbye everybody see ya this has been false bottom girls and we make the brewing world go round